It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the golf fanatic, I got Chris Dell in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter at MadJournalist. You guys could always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. Uh, you and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, Chris is going to go ahead. He's going to break down what he does for each and every tournament. Now he's going to give you his best bets, buy and fades, uh, using his strokes gained data. Chris, this is something that you know you started last year, like right around the middle of football season, and you found success with this. And the minute that you know you started showing me the results and you started getting the results, you were like, there's no way I'm not going to continue to do this. It's just showing so much profit. You know, I'm curious where you came up with this. How did you find this? I know how much you... You know, you love stats and digging into all this stuff, but, you know, you had to get this idea from somewhere and then putting it all to good use, you know, and, and actually, you know, coming up with articles and things like that and like, and showing everybody kind of, you know, what you're doing here, uh, how profitable has it been? Yeah, so this came purely out of COVID-19 boredom. When there was hardly any sports going on, we were actually getting golf tournaments week to week. I can't remember exactly what month it was, and I'm sitting working from home like I usually do, and I got way more, way more time on my hands than usual to do. DFS to do betting, et cetera. So I started looking at betting sports that I really don't know much about. And, and, and golf's one of them, to be honest. And you know, I've covered golf as a sports reporter throughout my years, you know, as, as, as a journalist in the past, but never have been a fan of playing it. Always have wanted to learn. Uh, don't get me out on the golf course. The last time I've been on the golf course, probably putt putting when I was like 14, 15 years old. But, you know, it's something that I've always enjoyed watching in terms of just placing a few casual bets on here and there, et cetera. And kind of tailing the sharper people in industry. And I started reading some articles, doing some research, started running into a lot of the strokes gain statistics. And I, a couple articles I read on actionnetwork.com and a few other places that were basically looking at uh, the, the, basically the concept of like putting regression. Like we look at in the NFL with turnover regression and that basically putting is a stat that often regresses, you know, back and forth, even from round to round within, within a given tournament, you know, four rounds, four different days, you'll often see a lot of big sw- big swings from round to round, day to day between golfers. And it's like, okay, well, we want to look to basically, you know, fade the noise when it comes to golfers who putt really well or golfers who putt really bad for a given round. But if they're actually ball striking really well, their strokes gained approach, strokes gain off the tee, if those numbers, those are like the sticky stats, if, if those numbers are strong and they have bad putting, that could be a really good buy opportunity for a golfer. So basically what I'm doing is in the strokes gain ratings model is what I call it, is I assign a score to a golfer uh, where I take their strokes gain ball striking numbers and I subtract it by their strokes gain putting numbers. So basically saying I'm completely fading what they did with the putter. I'm buying into their form, their approach, their off the tee game. And that's kind of how it you know evolved from there. And then I kind of had this other process. Of how do I use that data once I have my top buys and top fades for a given tournament? How do I actually bet that? Uh, with actionable information, and we can kind of dive into that in this tournament. But, uh, you know, for, for last weekend, we were like plus five, almost plus six units on the day. Uh, we we wound up adding uh, a late uh, add to our card after round two. Uh, Sepp Straka was showing up as one of the top top buys after round two, I believe. Uh, put an outright ticket on him on 31 to one, won a couple of units on that. Um, and just mostly it's like the tournament matchups and head-to-head bets, like tournament matchup bets that are 72 whole bets round around matchup bets from day to day throughout a tournament is what I'm looking mostly to bet my action on probably about 
I would say at least 80% of my action for a given golf tournament is just on those head-to-head matchups themselves. Then I'll take those golfers that are buys or fades, and I'll try to bet on them in the, in the derivative market, like make-miss cut props, uh, top 40 finish props for some of the top buys that we have, and then maybe sprinkle some on some first-round leader bets, uh, some outright winner tickets, et cetera. So that, that, that's kind of in a nutshell of like exactly what I'm doing, and how, you know, the data I'm collecting, and then I'm, how I'm trying to bet that based off the data that I'm accumulating in the strokes gain model. You know, looking at everything that you have here on your sheet, it looks like there's quite a bit of math there. But, you know, I got to give you kudos, man, because, you know, when COVID rolled around and everything kind of shut down, you know, a lot of people got lazy. A lot of people got bored, depressed, and, you know, they kind of just, you know, waited it out. And there were guys like you that were like, you know what, I can't just sit here, dude. Like, I, I, I'm going to go nuts. And you, you found something that was, you know, fun and interesting. But at the time, I mean, golf was like really the only thing going on uh, and and the UFC was, you know, the only other thing that was really going on. So there were guys like you out there, you know, that were out there doing the work. You know, I ended up getting with, you know, Uncle Dave doing, you know, more golf podcasts. I ended up getting with Mean Gene and doing UFC podcasts. And, you know, the fact that we worked through, you know, that 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 tough period of time, uh, I think it kind of got us in a groove. It kind of got, you know, a lot of things just just ironed out, you know, within just doing podcasts together. And kind of getting into a system, as Uncle Dave mentioned today on one of our podcasts, he was like, you know, we sat down and we put everything on paper and we just had to trust the process. I feel like that's something that you've done, you know, with this particular thing that you're doing. You know, you're trusting your process um, that, you you know, with what you built and what you put together. And it's like, you know, I just got to fine tune it here, fine tune there. And, you know, the results have been great. I mean, so um, I'm actually surprised. And, and as, as I said, you know, kudos to you. I do got to ask you, though, you know, we do have the Arnold Palmer Invitational coming up here and we are going to have some obviously some buys and fades. Could you go ahead and let us know, you know, what some of your top buys are? Because I just did my stuff. Uh, I'm still plugging in bets. So I'm curious what you have, because, you know, if you give me some solid stuff here, uh, especially with some of the guys that I that, you know, that I agree with you with that I had in the podcast today on my sheet, uh, I might fire in, you know, a little bit more extra on those guys. Yeah, so keep in mind that we're, that I, for the strokes gain ratings model is what I call it, and basically I'm focusing on a few specific stats, but I'm only looking at the week's previous tournament. So to start off a tournament when it comes to my first round leader bets, uh, my outright winner tickets, and then my tournament matchup bets, or even first round bets for that matter, which there aren't too many out there right now, probably, probably we'll get a lot more books releasing uh, those options on Wednesday. We're recording this here late Tuesday night, but uh, I'm kind of limiting my pool at the beginning uh, to just these handful of guys. So I have eight guys that are that signal through the data as top buys coming out of the Honda Classic. And it's basically who are the guys who are ball striking the best in round four and then also for the entire tournament. I'm looking at two different sets of data here. And the two guys that pop off the most based off how they performed on Sunday in the final round of the Honda Classic are the winner, Sepp Straka. He has a plus 3.6 stroke gain rating score on the model. He has a he basically has a three-star buy. Basically means that out of like the seven different stats that we track, uh, uh, he signals as a buy in three out of those seven statistics. The only other guy with multiple stars next to his name is Gary Woodland, who has a plus 3.19 uh, stroke gain rating score. Basically, these guys, I'll look at Sepp Straka, for example, is that he gained 1.78 strokes off the tee in round four to close out to uh, to close out the Honda Classic out of the entire field, about 70 or so golfers. That was second overall in the field. Number one 
was Trey Molinax. Number three was Taylor Pendrith. No one else was over 1.5 strokes gain off the tee in the final round. Uh, Sepp Straka's ball striking uh, as a whole in round four was really good. I think in the entire field, he was number two overall. And if you don't know ball striking, that's basically just combining strokes gained approach, strokes gained off the tee. A lot of times you'll see golfers that are strong in one area of those two and not the other. But strokes gained ball striking is a crucial metric in my in my model because I want to take both most of the cor- most of the courses we go through throughout the PGA Tour. There's a heavy emphasis on solid approach game, solid off the tee game, solid ball striking. So I really want to focus on that as my key statistic here. Uh, and Seb Straka is the only guy, uh, you know, out of those ones who qualifies in that metric. And then also strokes gained tee to green, uh, strokes gained tee to green. That includes uh, around the greens. Basically, how is a guy chipping, you know, around around his around his way to the hole before he starts the putt? And Sepp Straka had the highest strokes gained tee to green uh, statistics from round four by far. He he gained four point six strokes gained tee to green in round four. The next highest was Shane Lowry on Sunday with three point six. The next highest was Gary Woodland three point two four. Everyone else in the field had two point six or less. So Sepp Straka almost doubled the rest of the field in that final round. And typically, you know, I want to buy into the guys who are ball striking at an elite level and not relying on their putting to win these rounds or win these tournaments. And Seb Strzok, you know, sometimes you'll see a guy, his putter gets hot in round four. That's typically not a guy I'm going to be buying going into the next tournament. However, Seb Straka actually lost half a stroke putting in round four, but he just ball strike he, he was ball striking at an elite level and the numbers show that so he's my top buy heading into the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational based off the Honda Classic data he's a three-star buy in terms of like I said I'm tracking like six six seven different metrics here he passes the threshold in three of those the only other guy with multiple stars next to his name is Gary Woodland so those are the two top buys Gary Woodland 3.16 strokes gain ball striking on in the Honda Classic in round four there on Sunday uh, he was in the top three in that category. And then when it comes to strokes gained approach, uh, Gary Woodland was number three overall uh, out of the 77-person field. So those are my top two buys based off like how I kind of sift through those numbers. Uh, I've got a couple other guys that make my list, although they only qualify as a buy signal in one statistical threshold category. Uh, but these are the two guys that I'm going to be betting a little bit more on when it comes to um, the tournament head-to-head matchups the top 40 finish uh, props, and then also the outright winner, first round leader tickets, et cetera. So I do have a question with you because obviously you just mentioned Straka. He won last week. He's coming into this tournament, 100 to one odds. So do you often find that the guy that won last week is showing up in your data for the next week? Because obviously you just talked about Straka. You know, he's got three stars by his name here. He's, he's like your number one buy guy. You know, is that something that you run into where – it's like there's that guy from last week that won. Here he is showing up as my number one option this week. Or is there a way where you kind of, you know, separate that so it's not, you know, a constant repeating process? Yeah, no, tip, you know, this is actually uh, probably on like the, the end that's more surprising than anything is usually you see guys get hot with their putter in late rounds, rounds three, rounds four of a tournament. Maybe they'll gain a couple strokes with their putter. That'll help them either maintain their lead or to gain a couple legs up on the field. But the fact that Seb Straka did it in round four, basically his putter was a disadvantage when you look at the rest of the field in that aspect. And when you see guys doing that, 
those are the guys you want to buy from round to round, no matter what round it is altogether. I mean, look at a guy like Cameron Young. Uh, he gained almost four strokes putting and still finished with a score of, of even par for the tournament. He was minus five in round four, you know, five strokes under par. But he did it almost all with his putter, even though he also did gain almost two strokes uh, with his approach game as well. But the fact that Straka did it with a negative putting day and he was able to ball strike and hit off the tee, basically approach game, et cetera, all at an elite level. Those are the type of golfers I want to buy no matter what round it is. So, yeah, you know, I don't expect Seth Straka to win. You know, how, hard it, how, how hard is it to win back-to-back tournaments on the PGA Tour like this? But I do think there is value nonetheless. We've seen crazy things happen. And at the very least, I think there's value for him to, to continue uh, being in good form. And I'm, use, I'm willing to use that data to bet on him heavily for tournament head-to-head matchups, uh, round one head-to-head matchups. And I'm also betting Seth Straka uh, top 40 finish as well. Uh, that's the type of bet. I'll throw a quarter unit on that. You can get that at plus money, plus 115, uh, uh, plus 115 at bet365 has it. Um, also, uh, Gary Woodland, as I mentioned, top 40 at minus 110. Uh, so I'm typically trying to kind of play it safe with my top 40 finishes. I don't want to get too crazy and be like top five, top 10. I'll bet a little bit on the outright. I'll bet a little bit on the top 40 and try to cover my bases there. Uh, but at the very least, I'm, I feel like I'm putting myself in contention. Or, for example, if Seth Straka just comes out hot from that good from that good form and from that elite ball striking in the previous tournament, he could be live for a first round leader tie, or, or just to be first round leader at the at the end of Thursday as well. So those are the kind of things I'm looking at for these buys. But yeah, typically you don't see the winner being as one of the top buy signals coming off of round four. This is a very surprising tournament where Berger uh, did very well with his putter throughout the entire Honda Classic, and that kind of failed him in round four. But Berger never showed up as one of our top buys throughout the tournament because we're fading good putty. We're not betting on the guys who are putting well. We're betting on the guys who are ball striking well with their off the tee and their approach game. And that's basically what this model boils down to at the end of the day. Like I said, I'm taking the strokes game ball striking. I'm not adding it with their putting game. I'm actually subtracting the putting as like a negative correlated factor Uh, And because of that, Straka, because he putted poorly, ball struck it well, and still won the tournament, that's why he's one of the top buys of the week next to Gary Woodland. You know, I think a couple things that you said there that are interesting. When when you're talking about, you know, a golfer being in good form, you know, one of the things I think that it's tough to gauge because you really don't know until they get on the course is, you know, what did a guy work on? You know, what has he been working on? What was he struggling with? You know, you got guys like Strack and Woodland that you just talked about. Well, maybe there was somewhere that they were lacking and it was like, you know what, I need to drill down hard on, you know, maybe my four iron or my five iron or something like that. And they get it and they get it going. And it was like, well, you don't really know that until, you know, the tournament actually starts. You know, some of your fades that I see here on your list and and one of them uh, is eye popping is, is Matthew Wolf. Go back to last week. He was an absolute disaster. I think he was like plus 17 for the tournament. And I don't think that that's just having a bad round when you have a professional golfer that actually golfs that bad, sometimes it's like something's just not right. And he has to work on something with that said, Chris, I do want to ask you a question though. And I think that, I think I kind of know the answer, you know, when it comes to your top buys or your top fades, do you, do you tend to see like maybe like one guy constantly in that list of guys that you have, because he's just constantly, um, getting better or another guy just constantly getting worse? 
typically no, to be honest. It's actually surprising. I'm, I'm always like giddy and looking forward to seeing like what the model spits out in terms of who are the top guys from week to week. And then also we have, keep in mind that I'm only using the previous week's data. So like my initial pool of golfers are very limited because some of these guys, they take weeks off. Sometimes a guy wins a tournament, winds up taking the next week off. So he's completely eliminated from the model altogether. And if you actually... If you actually look at this, you can actually click on the link at the top of the article. This article is on bettingpredators.com. It's a free article. But I, I put the link to my spreadsheet, which which basically is the model with all like the raw data in there. And you can actually go. I have two different uh, tabs for data. One is round four data from the Honda Classic. The other one is all rounds data from the Honda Classic. Basically, you're either a golfer who uh, you know play, played rounds one through four, or it could be a golfer who missed the cut. So we're using their data from rounds one to two. And Matthew Wolf was just, he was just really bad across the board. Um, his strokes gained approach. He lost two strokes there, lost two strokes off the tee as well. So his ball striking was just absolutely atrocious in both those categories. Usually, like I said, you're seeing like a guy do really bad in one area and not the other. But when I look at those two categories together, strokes gained approach and strokes gain off the tee, like that to me is like, that's the most reliable uh, statistics, two statistics you can put together to create strokes gain ball striking. And that to me is like the stickiest form of like good ball uh, of, of uh, good golfing numbers that you can rely on. That'll be more consistent from round to round from week to week. So again, like, you know, the data in terms of putting regression from round to round, et cetera, like, you know, that's not something that I came up with myself. This is stuff that I see other guys, some of the sharpest people in the industry handicapping and putting it into their own rankings. And I decided to put that all together into a spreadsheet, create my own kind of ranking system for that. Uh, but it has shown to be very effective all across the board, whether we're doing outright winners, whether we're doing head to heads round around head to heads for a tournament. So yeah, Matthew Wolf rates there, you know, pretty bad in all those metrics there. Even when you uh, uh, combine the fact that Matthew Wolf also had a bad putting day in rounds one through two and got cut, uh, what he was, he was like 17 strokes or something crazy over par. Um, typically when a guy puts bad, it actually keeps his numbers from looking too bad overall. But the fact he was so bad ball striking with his approach and off the tee game, his numbers are all still in the negative nonetheless. So like Matthew Wolf, again, like I didn't find anything to bet him on sleepy. Like there was no make miss cut props with him. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, like I put in my bets really early this week on Monday uh, when only a few books had lines out. And since that, since that time from then until now, almost all the head to head bets in my article had the odds have swung heavily in our favor in terms of wanting to jump on those early, because a lot of people are using this type of data to make their decisions when it comes to some of the sharper golf betters out there. Uh, And, you know, I I see that when I look at how the odds change uh, from round to round and from different book to different book as well. And I'm glad I asked you the question, you know, do you see the same guy show up and the fact that you know, it is like a one tournament thing. It's not like it carries over. Uh, makes perfect sense to me why you wouldn't see, you know, the same name over and over again. And we talked about Matthew Wolf, how bad he was last week. You know, are you expecting him to be terrible again this week? You know, what are the other big fades that you have on your card going? Well, you know, I'm basically, I have my fades. I'll pull up a number of different books. Like I'm pulling up seven, eight books at a time. I'm hitting command F on my laptop and I'm searching by name. Like for the, for, for the Honda Classic going into this tournament, you know, there were a lot of guys who made the buy and fade list, but they aren't playing this weekend. So first we got to X those guys off the list. We wind up with eight buys overall and 22 guys who signal as fades overall, which is a lot. Now, 
what I want to do is I want to focus on the fact that I don't want to just look for a guy who signals as a buyer fade in one statistical category. Like we're looking at like seven different statistical categories here. I really want to focus like on really investing in the guys who qualify as a buyer fade in multiple statistical categories. That's why I, I said Straka is a three-star buy, Woodland's a two-star buy. Everyone else, the other six guys that I have as buys, they're all considered one-star buys according to the model. Uh, just run through them real quick. Taylor Pendrith, Billy Horschel, Lee Hodges, who actually played really well. He came, Lee Hodges actually came, came into the Honda Classic uh, as a buy, uh, put a top 40 ticket on him at plus 230, wanted to finish in top 10. And for a time there, I think in late round three, early round four, he was just a few strokes off the overall lead. So very impressive from him. And he still rates really well. So that's another guy who's who's carried as a buy in the back-to-back tournaments. You typically do not see that because sometimes the putting goes the other way. Uh, JJ Spawn is another guy, uh, Sam Ryder, and then Cameron Young. We cashed the top 40 ticket on him. I think he finished around the top 20. Uh, he's had a couple of really good tournaments in a row. So those are the eight buys overall. And then the fades list is pretty long. So basically what I'm trying to do is I'm searching all these book, uh, on these books with their tournament head-to-head matchups. Where can I get these buys and head-to-head matchups? Where can I get these fades? And typically, I'm only finding a couple of them because a lot of these guys are, are kind of lesser names that the books just simply aren't offering ways uh, to bet against them. Like Tyler McCumber is our number one uh, fade coming out of the Honda Classic. You can't find a bet to bet against Tyler McCumber. Maybe if you find a group bet, a three-ball bet, but there's too much variance in those. So I'm, I'm staying away from those types of wagers unless I have like one buy and a three-ball with two fades then I'll bet it. But you rarely see that uh, overall. Uh, Matthew Wolf, again, like I don't see like any props on him, even in head-to-head matchups. Uh, two guys I do see, however, are uh, Chris Kirk and Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood had a pretty bad showing last weekend, missed the cut. Uh, I-, I bet him to miss the cut. He ranks as like a, just a one-star fade again, but still something I'm willing to bet uh, bet against. And I bet Tommy Fleetwood to miss the cut at plus 225. I bet Chris Kirk to miss the cut at plus 200. Uh, Based off Chris Kirk having a pretty bad round four showing, even though he did play well overall last weekend. Uh, And again, like going in from the Genesis Invitational into the Honda Classic last week, Sleepy, you remember everyone was on Sung JM. He was the defending champion there. And the model said that he was a fade. So I just bet him to miss the cut plus 400 and that cashed pretty easily too we actually cast both of our missed the cut props uh patrick reed to miss the cut was around plus 155 plus 160 so the only two missed the cut props we made last week both cashed you know we've had pretty good success with the with the make miss cut props because typically we're only betting missed the cut because when you look at these odds boards uh a lot of them are just make the cut options for like minus 300 minus 400 and there's just way too much variance even if a guy's like a, a top uh top buy and he's like minus 250 to make the cut i'm probably not going to make that bet because there's no guarantee i'd rather bet him on a head-to-head i'd rather bet him on a top 40 at closer to even money so uh i really do like the value that you see from time to time because you get these bit big names that have these big public media narratives around them like tommy fleetwood a uh, bigger bigger name in the mainstream a lot of people are betting him to make the cut they're probably he's probably a sleeper to win outright by a lot of people but the model and the data shows me that he's in bad form right now. So I'm going to take the plus money, plus 225 for Tommy Fleetwood to miss the cut this weekend. All right, solid stuff there. So you guys are getting more free picks there. Let's see if we can get a couple more out of Chris. Why don't you talk about some head-to-heads, Chris? Because that's been one of the things I noticed that you've been posting on your Twitter. 
And you guys can find Chris at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. So I want to see some head-to-heads because, you know, that's one of the, to be honest with you, Chris, those are like my favorite wagers to make. Reason being is, you know, I can get on ESPN Plus and sometimes I get, you know, the head-to-head matchup where it's the, you know, that's the marquee group of the day. And it's like, boom, I can watch two guys that maybe even they're, you know, screwballs and whatever, but I could watch every shot that they take where I could pull up PGA and I could watch it on there uh, on like their little game casting. Like that's fun for me. And I think that that's one way I get to figure out, you know, how guys are kind of playing and, and, you know, use that, that data, you know, going to next week. So the, the wagers that you have that I'm the most interested in, you know, are the head to head. So why don't you go ahead and throw a couple of those out? Well, last week we did really – I think uh, the round-to-round ter- round head-to-heads, we had three really good rounds. Uh, one round – I think round three we went four and six. Overall, we were up, I think, like one unit on the round-to-round head-to-heads. We wound up doing the best, actually, on the tournament-long head-to-head matchups. We were 6-0-1 oh, with one push on the tournament head-to-heads. And we started the tournament off uh, fading Sung J.M. and Patrick Reed in multiple head-to-head matchups. And all four of those wound up cashing, even though uh, they were <laughs> matched up against some golfers who really didn't do that well either. Uh, Ricky Fowler wound up beating Patrick Reed. And in a tournament head-to-head, by the way, if one of your golfers makes the cut – and the golfer he's going against misses the cut, you usually automatically win that bet at that point, no matter how that golfer finishes. So make sure I've learned this personally. I, I, I mistracked uh, one of my bets from last week. I graded as a loss, went back into my account, realized it had been graded out actually as a tie. So just double, triple check. Every book has different house rules with, when it comes to golf betting specifically. So just make sure to double, tri- double and triple check those. Sleepy, I've bet almost 30 tournament head-to-heads. I've got about 15 in my article, and I have uh, basically how much I'm betting on each one. There's only one head-to-head out of like the close to 30 that I bet that has one buy versus one fade directly. And that's going to be the one that's my best bet. Sepp Straka, as I mentioned, coming in hot off a, off a very good round four finish, winning the tournament. I think he comes in confident. Usually, like I said, to me, it's not about trying to handicap how confident is he. Is he going to be too relaxed? Is he going to be too nervous to repeat, et cetera? I'm just looking at the data here. The data shows he's a really good buy coming out of the tournament. Even if he would have finished second or third, he would have still rated the same in the model. So that's kind of the point here. Going up against Dylan Fratelli, who's rated as a fade uh, coming out of the Honda Classic as well. I think Dylan Fratelli had a, had a, a poor round four where his approach game was pretty bad overall. You know, had a halfway decent decent weekend as a whole, but that is the only matchup bet where it's one buy versus one fade directly. And typically, when that happens, I like to consider those as my best bets. Now, what I like to do from round to round, I won't get too deep into the weeds here with it, but after round one, we're going to have a whole new set of buys and fades. After round two, we're going to have a whole new set of buys and fades. We're going to have buys and fades after every round because what we're really going to look to do is attack round one matchups, then round two matchups, then round three matchups, and then round four matchups. So uh, I'm going to have like a matchup rating score where basically after round one, let's say Sepp Strzok is a plus five. He's going up against Dylan Fratelli, who's a minus five. You basically combine those two and it's a plus 10 matchup rating. Anytime there's a matchup rating of plus nine or higher, those hit at a really high rate. Uh, we were four and oh on those last week last week taking the top rated matchup in all of our round around head to head. So all put 
a little bit more info on that in the round around articles I'm doing. I'm doing articles Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every weekend for these tournaments. I'm putting my top buys and top fades. I'm putting the link to the spreadsheets there. But for now, like I said, the round one matchup bets are limited at the moment. So I'm looking at tournament-wide head-to-head. My top buy coming out of the Honda Classic, Seth Straka, going against one of our fades from the Honda Classic and Dylan Fratelli. Uh, I bet this sleepy uh, bet online, the money line was minus 128 for Straka. I looked earlier to, uh, earlier today to say, hey, maybe I want to throw a little bit more down on this because it's the only one I could find still. It's moved all the way to minus 150. So obviously we've got something there. Happy about that line move. You have to, to even to get like minus 120 now, you got to bet Straka minus one and a half. You got to bet him to win by two strokes. Uh, I'd rather just bet him to win by one stroke. Then if it ties, I get a push and I don't lose the bet either. So uh, I think there's still a little bit of value there. Minus 150, just because of how the ratings show out in the model between these two golfers here. So that's my best bet. Tournament 72 hole matchup, Sepp Straka over Dylan Fratelli at Bet Online. All right. Well, there you guys go. You got a best bet from Chris. Uh, as I mentioned, you guys have to go ahead and you have to read the article. You guys can get that on Chris's Twitter. You can get that at Betting Predators. Um, he's got his first round leaders in there. He's got his top 40s in there. You know, as we already mentioned, some of the make and miss the cuts, you know, his outright winners and stuff like that. But you guys have to go through. You have to read the data and how he breaks it down if you guys are having a little bit of trouble, you know, following along because it's pretty much plain and simple spelled out in, uh, in plain English here, you know, for you guys to follow along. Chris has everything written down on paper. He has all his numbers all lined up for you. So uh, this is actually quite easy to go ahead and follow uh, if you guys just go over to bettingpredators.com. Yes, yeah, so you, you, you can get that there. If you go to the website uh, in the menu on, on the homepage, you'll see there's an explainer article. When I started doing this about a year and a half ago, I have an article kind of breaking down the strategy and the thesis of what we talked about on the podcast here. And then when you when you go to the actual articles for the tournament, I'll put the link to the spreadsheet. You can see all the raw data. You can you can switch through the tabs. You, you can see everything that I'm looking at, everything that I'm doing on there. And then I'll break it down kind of in easy lay, layman's terms as best as I can on the article with the buys, with the fades, and, and, and with the bets that I'm making based off that information. And I'm probably throwing in a couple of DFS lineups based off the fades after round one as well. So that, that's kind of how, in a nutshell, everything's working right now on the site. All right, good stuff. Hopefully everybody goes ahead and checks that out. And, uh, they, you know, they go ahead and, and they profit because, like I said, I've been watching Chris do this for, you know, months and months now. And it's some of the results are rather impressive. Uh, you guys know where to find us on Twitter, Sleepy underscore pregame, at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. Again, you can find us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.